So we're back. So we left off where the guy gave you the word that you needed to forgive yourself and you fell out in the lawn. And we talked about God meeting us right where you're at. And and he oftentimes knows things that we don't even know are wrong with us. Absolutely. But it was after that that I had to to learn to actually forgive myself for the things that I've done in my life and that I've repented of, you know, and... Even though we repent of things, that we often forget that we need to forget or forgive ourselves for those things. And yeah, there's, I think you know, there's that where God casts them in the sea of forgetfulness. Yeah. But we keep bringing them up, and God be like, "Look, I don't even know what you're talking about, man." Yeah. You know, but I love that. So often, like you know, He knows, and He knows how to address it in your life. Where he can tell you in such a way that you can receive it, and then He can help you bring about the changes that need to come, you know, so that you can walk in the freedom that he's about giving you, you know. And uh, I, I, know, I think all of us have to deal with stuff like that, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, that uh, you just, you, you don't go through this life without making mistakes. No. You know, I think we said this before in episodes where it says Jesus ever lives to make intercession for you and me. Well, if we didn't ever need it, then he wouldn't have to ever do it. And the very fact that he has to ever do it means I ever need it. Ever. You see what I'm saying? Like, you know. Key, yeah. You know. <laughs> so, and and best, we could, best we can try, and it, still there's no... You, mean, you know, the good works don't, you don't get saved. You don't go to heaven by your good works. You go there only, purely by the grace of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, and, and accepting what he's done for you. But you wind up doing the good works because of the change that's happened on the inside of you. You don't get, the good works don't save you, but you do the good works because you're saved. And I just read recently, it's in the New Testament somewhere, and one of them says, your good works bring glory to God. So in other words, when I'm doing the good works because of the change that he's made in me, when I'm behaving differently because I'm a new creation in Christ, that's bringing glory to him. And that bringing glory to him, in other words, I'm representing him well in the earth. And the people around are going to see it. And they're going to go, wow, you know what? God is different than what I've ever seen and what I've ever heard preached at me for. Absolutely. He must be different because this guy's living it different. One thing that I heard recently and I really love, I heard a preacher preaching, it was that Alan Jackson fella, and I like that every time he gets done, he tries to tell the people, hey, I bring you a prayer, and he, and he prays. And what I, there's a thing in there that says, when you enter my courts, enter my courts with thanksgiving. For first it says with songs and with praise and thanksgiving, mm-hmm. singing and thanksgiving, which uh, I mostly hum in his prayer. But you know, but, but God's like any parent, man. He loves the singing of his kids, no matter how bad it is, you know. But so, but then I, I've really been trying as a lady. God, I thank you. I thank you for all that you've done for me. God, I thank you that you pursued me, even though I ran from you. You know. And, and, but one thing that the guy said that I really, really liked that I had never considered before. He said, "God, I thank you for the honor and the privilege of bearing the name." Of Jesus Christ. Hmm. And I realized, wow, God, I have never thanked you for that honor and that privilege. But then I realized I bear his name. And I don't want to misrepresent him. No. Because he, he, he's done so much to change me in my life. That, God, I want to represent you well. 
and I know that I bear your name. So when I walk out in the public place, God, I know that I'm far from perfect. I ain't going to make it if you don't help me. So help me to represent you well. And God, thank you. I think you're a little bit crazy to put that much trust in somebody like me. You know, but God, thank you for that privilege that you love me enough and you're willing to take that chance on me. To give me that honor to represent your son like that. That Jesus, you're willing, sir, to give me that honor and that privilege to represent you. Help me to do it well, sir. Help me to not misrepresent you. That's why I don't like, I talk about, you know, so many churches, they present it as if they've got it all together. And, and, and I think that, that, you know, that's hypocrisy. Because in reality, yeah, misrepresenting them. Yeah, you got to be able to be real and admit to the people, look, man, I'm in just as much of a need of a Savior as you are. I'm no better. I'm no different. It's just Jesus Christ is changing me from the inside out. And you can have the same thing happen in your life. I may look different, may have a different story. <laughs> Absolutely, totally different, you know. Yeah. I didn't get no pink elephant in my story, you know. <laughs> you know, but when that guy came to you and said, you know, man, you need to learn to forgive yourself. It was very similar to the lady saying, Matt, I, you ran from me and ran from me. Yeah. And still I sought after you. See, I still seek after you. You're the prize I'm looking for, man. You can't see the prize that you are to me. But you're the prize I'm looking for. You know? You're the one I, I desire. You're the one that I came. And I walked out, you know, this earth as, as a human being and went to that cross for. And he seeks after us whether we know him or not. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's an old, you know, I think we're all children of God. Yeah. We're all created in his image. The only thing is that some are lost children and some are found. Some are still bar Adam and others have been become Benai Elohim. They become that new creation. And the only difference is you have the, you had the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the refused to seize and the couldn't seize. And that just meant that somewhere along the way I was a couldn't see and finally he's given me eyes to see. He said, I can deal with the couldn't sees. Because I can give you eyes to see when you can't see. But when you refuse to see, you ain't never going to be able to see. Because you're choosing to be blind. You ever look at that story of the feeding? I don't know if we did this on the episode, the feeding of the 4,000. Yeah, the feeding of the 5,000. Five loaves, two fish. You ever notice in the Bible, all the cooking is done on a campfire? You know, like Elijah goes, you know, he freaks Elijah and he goes in the cave, you know, and it says the angel shows up and he cooks him some bread on a bed of coals. Campfire cooking. It's barbecue, man. Barbecue, you know. <laughs> Cooks him some. Yeah. And then a little bit later, Jesus is on the shore and he's got a fire going and he's cooking fish and chips on the it's barbecue on the shore. Campfire cooking. Everywhere you go in the book, you know. So <laughs> But he feeds the four thousand, all right? And they get all done and immediately if you read the story, man, the feeding of the four thousand happens. They take seven loaves of leftovers up, you know, yeah. immediately after. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and said, give us a sign to see. And Jesus says back, no matter what I put out, you boys will refuse to see it. 
So I ain't giving you nothing to see. Mm-hmm. Then he gets in the boat with the guys, you know, the 12 disciples, you know, and, 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 and he tells them, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. And the disciples like, oh, for crying out loud, we did it again. We had them seven back and we forgot to get some bread. <laughs> You know, and Jesus is like, are you guys really that thick? If you, if you, if you still don't have the eye, you still can't see? You have some refusals to see and some couldn't see. What they couldn't see was, look, the dude just made enough bread to feed 4,000 people. It ain't no big deal for him to make enough bread to feed 13. Right. You know? So, but he said, you had, so you had some refuse to see, and then the boat, Jesus had a boat full of guys who couldn't see. Yeah. And they get to the other side, and they bring him a blind man who ain't never saw. The whole story about having eyes to see. It's about seeing, you see? <laughs> <laughs> so they bring in the blind man, and Jesus lays hands on him and goes, Man, tell me what you see. And a blind man said, I see men like trees walking. Did Jesus make a mistake? He never made no mistakes. So what he did right there was on purpose. Right? And says he laid hands on him a second time. But the first time I want to propose the idea, he said, put his hand on him, he prays, said, tell me what you see. Remember, he had refused to seize over here. He had couldn't seize over here. He had somebody who ain't never saw right here. And he says, I see men like trees walking. All through the book, that book is written from God's perspective. It's how he sees things. All right? And all through the book, you'll find references to, I wrote them down somewhere one day. I got them where David said, I'm like a tree planted by the water. Yeah, I'm like the cedars of Lebanon. Yeah. I'm like a palm tree. I'm like an olive tree. Uh, these are, you know, in the Old New Testament, John said, what are these two men? He said, these are the tree, or these two trees are men. All through the book, you'll find references to human beings being referred to like trees. I think when Jesus prayed for the guy the first time, he had to refuse to seize. He had a boatload who couldn't seize. He got somebody who ain't never saw. And the first thing he did was he opened his spiritual eyes so he could begin to see like God sees. Mm. Then Jesus laid hands on him a second time. And it says his eyes were open. He saw all things clearly. The whole story is about being able to see. But it's about seeing like God. So as God takes you through these moments, where the first thing you have is this lady, imagine, said, now imagine that the eyes of God are looking at you. God's looking at you, said these eyes appeared, blue eyes that were just amazing amount of love that melted you in your chair. If you look about it, God was changing your vision. Amen. He's changing how you see. He's going, son, I'm going to make you a new creation. I'm going to take you from being bar adam i'm gonna take you from being lost as a goose in the fog i'm gonna take you from only knowing that there was a father but you didn't know that i had a son and i'm gonna introduce you to my son and you're gonna become a new creation and you're gonna begin to see like i see amen and you get over there and he's talking to you on the tv about hawaii (laughs) see see boy i'm talking to you and you get over there and he goes hey i'm seeing something that you can't see i see that you're still struggling because you don't understand I've already forgiven you. Now you just got to forgive yourself because it's blocking your vision. Hmm. And I got a lot more I want to give you and a greater adventure I want to take you on. The whole thing, the whole walk of following Jesus Christ, we can't do it without him because we're just like the disciples in the boat. We're stuck in a state of couldn't see. 
And until we follow him for years and years, and as you grow and as he brings the changes from the inside out, he begins to open your eyes more so that you can see what you couldn't see before. When you read a Bible now, stuff to jump out the page out to you, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. You know? Before, if you looked at a Bible, you're like, it's all Greek to me. <laughs> oh, no, that's Latin. But no, aren't they? <laughs> right. no we'll be Greek in the New Testament. Yeah. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? But once he puts that change in here, and he begins to change the way you see, and you begin to see how he sees. So we can all go all the way back to our point about racism and prejudices. When I look at someone, I look at you, my brother. You know, you're, you're half native, half white. You know, I don't see that. No. I see my brother as a native, you know. I understand your background. But what I see is whom, someone who is a great treasure to Christ. I see someone who is made in the image of God. I look at my wife who's half native and half white, yeah. you know, and she's the greatest treasure in my life. We go back to how we treated our children because we didn't want to do the way our fathers did because we began to see something that our fathers couldn't see. And that was the treasure of God that had put in those children as he gave them to you and I to see. You know, we come along and I see the mistakes that I made. So I can go to my son and say, son, forgive me, man. I wish I'd have done this better. I'd have done that better. You know, my son, hey, Papa, I'm just grateful you didn't beat me like your dad beat you. You know? Yeah, yeah well, I bet you are grateful for that. <laughs> and I'm glad. I'm grateful that God gave me that heart. He changed my heart. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that uh, there's, a, there's a passage in the book. Somewhere's in there. I think it says, like, in the last days, I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the children's hearts to their fathers. Huh. And in other words, there's another point of I'm going to change the way they see because I'm going to begin to cause the children to see me differently than their fathers saw because I'm going to create in their fathers a new heart. Hmm. And they're going to represent me different than the previous generation had done. And it's all about gaining a different perspective, gaining God's perspective, seeing like he sees. Mm -hmm. You know, and if I can learn to see like he sees, you know, then I'm going to see the treasures in, in the different people around me. Mm -hmm. And maybe, just maybe, if I can begin to see like he sees, then I begin to understand, hey, if you got faith like a mustard seed, if you can see like I see, you can tell that mountain to move and it'll move. Because I'm telling you what, if I tell that mountain to move, it moves. I speak worlds into existence and I can speak them out. Huh? You see what I'm saying? You know? <laughs> so, oh. It's still going. No, I thought, oh. All right. I sure hope this is recording. So let's go back to you're in Hawaii, man. The guy comes over and you're on the grass. We need to get you off the grass. <laughs> hey, go, where are you going from there, man? You know? And, well, that one, was, after that, it was just a progress of going back through my life and forgiving myself for things to, you know, it took about an hour before I was able to get up off the lawn. But, oh, man. You know, and then just went on and just had that heavy heaviness on my heart of things that I needed to forgive myself for. You can let all that go. Yeah. 
until you can get that weight off, you can't really walk in the freedom that God wants you to walk in. Absolutely. You know, so I think that was kind of the point of it. He's like, look, I, I came to give you life and give it to you abundantly, son. I came, it was for freedom that I came and died. Mm-hmm. I want you to walk in that freedom. So you got you go. So how long were you in Hawaii? In Hawaii, three months. And then from there, did well the whole time we're in Hawaii because you're doing a three month DTS. It's a discipleship training, and then you go into a to a three month uh, outreach program where you go and serve out in the world, you know, and teach teach the gospel and just help. So we, we, the YWAM were saying, you know, we're going to be stuck in Kona because of COVID. We're not going to be able to travel. And and the whole time I'm hearing from the Lord saying, no, get ready to travel. I'm like, again, I'm saying, is this the Lord, you know? Are, are you sure this is the Lord? Because they're telling me I can't travel anywhere. And the whole time, you know, get ready to travel. And so... The, the whole three months, you know, they're, the whole time they're saying we're going to be in Kona and they're making plans for these outreaches in Kona to the people there. And mm-hmm. and I'm still here, and, you know, get ready to travel. Mm-hmm. About two weeks before the end of the DT, discipleship training, they said, oh, there's, amazingly, there was an opening in Mexico. We have a brand new YWAM base opening up in Mexico and we needed to team to go down there and they're agreeing to let this team go down there wow. open up and fly them down so instantly I knew I was supposed to be on this team because I've been here you know you're you get ready to go out, travel. Of, yeah. out of country and so again we did took all our tests and all the little tests you know to make sure you didn't have COVID and you were able to fly mm. and and the whole time we're doing these tests and I'm in YWAM and doing these worship training or worship experiences with all these 20-year-olds, you know, just on fire for the Lord. And I can see healings happening and people praying for people all around. And I'm just thinking, wow. thinking to myself out loud saying, someday I'd like to be a part of that or witness that, you know. Not, not again, like you. I was talking to the Lord, not really thinking He's listening to me. And, <laughs> and I didn't think anything else about that. And we go into our outreach program and uh, in New Mexico. We fly down to Mexico, and there's a new YWAM base beginning down there. So we're there for three months, and we start building these different outbuildings for this base. And I started building a school for them because I'm a my trade's a contractor, and yeah. so I build and started building a school for the children that, all the children of the people that are in the discipleship training. And it started raining one day when I was putting the roof on, and I was telling this guy, this Spanish guy that was helping me put the metal on, uno mas, uno mas, you know, one more piece of metal. And he's like, no, you get down. And I'm like, no, no, boss, I'm trying to cover it up so it doesn't get wet. Oh. And uh, I put that last piece of metal on it. By then it starts raining really good. And I t- go to turn and to get down off of that roof. And I, my feet slipped out from under me on that wet metal. And I fell a little over 10 feet off that roof down to the ground. 
and landed on a two by six on the ground oh. and just landed on my feet, but hurry and let my legs out so I could fall back, you know, and I was trying not to break anything. But I could hear something snap and instantly I didn't want to get up. I could feel the pain in my legs and the guys carried me and we we were about 20 miles up in the mountains so it took wow. a good two hours of you know driving up the trails to get back into Rosarito was a, the closest town in Mexico there. We went to the doctor and took the x-rays and he's like sure enough your feet are broken both the balls of my feet oh, man. Are, were broken from falling off that roof and so he put uh, those leg splint you know those black splints for legs and feet he put one on each leg and gave me a pair of crutches and said good luck you're (laughs) done both your legs are done you know you're gonna be you're gonna be done for a while wow so I went back to base and for two days I was laid up in bed and we were getting ready to do a grand opening of this base and we had a bunch of people from different bases coming to pray over the land and help us to open this base. And I didn't want to be stuck in my room in bed, you know, when this is all happening. And so I got my crutches and I got dressed and went out by the fire pit and I decided I'll just tend to fire while I'm here at this fire pit all day because I can't walk or anything, you know. So I'm tending the fire and I'm watching these buses come in and people are coming in from different YWAM bases. They're coming to pray over the land and help us do a grand opening of this. You can see them heading off in different directions and start praying and just could feel it in the air even. And uh, all of a sudden this one lady gets off the bus and instead of taking off and starting to pray, she's like making a beeline right at me, right for the camp, the fireplace, the camp part. And I'm sitting there and she comes, I mean, she didn't, she didn't look to the left, she didn't look to the right. She was on a mission coming right towards wow. me. And I was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> and she comes walking up and she said, she's holding this big bottle and she told me, the Lord told me I'm supposed to bring my anointing oil and go to the campfire as soon as I get here. Wow. And she said, and obviously I'm coming to pray for you because I have <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, both legs are broken. <laughs> She's got this big bottle of anointing oil. She's all, can I pray for you? I said, absolutely. You know, if the Lord said, bring your anointing oil, <laughs> come pray for me. I want you to pray for me. Yeah. And uh, she started praying. And she's praying and pointing out different parts of my body that were injured over the years. Wow. And I'm like, this is impossible. <laughs> this lady doesn't know me from, you know. Yeah. How could she know these different things that are, this is, you know. You, Gotta be God. It's, my faith is getting so huge because I know this is the Lord doing this because she couldn't know this. And she's praying and she pretty soon she's praying in tongues and about an hour into this and she's touching different parts of my body and I can feel my feet like getting warm and like moving around a little bit. Wow. And all of a sudden she stops and looks right in the eyes and says, the Lord says you're healed. And I had always heard, you know, if the Lord says you're healed, don't doubt it at all, you know. So I just said, I heard he took those splints off and stood up. 
you know, because I'm thinking, woohoo, I'm healed, you know. And so I hurry and Jake goes off and stood up, and I'm like, there's no pain in my legs or no nothing. Wow. And I just hollered out, thank you, Lord. And I took like a couple steps, and there's still no pain. Wow. Both my legs were black and blue still from wow. the, you know, the compression of yeah. hitting the ground. And I was pretty bruised up, but the actual broken where I couldn't stand on my legs was gone. Wow. I'm just praising and thanking the Lord, and we're uh, hooting and hollering. And my leaders come over, and people, and they're like, Eric, sit back down. No. And I'm like, no. The Lord just healed me. You know, I'm healed. So I get up, and I go to work, and I start serving everybody that's there. And we're cooking. You got a big uh, sheep on the rotisserie, you know, having this big potluck and grand opening. And so I worked all day on my feet, and this is two days after I broke both legs. Wow. The Lord had healed me. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool, you know. Here you said you wanted to be part of something like that. You just didn't know it was going to be you. Yeah, I didn't know it was <laughs> And I didn't know it was listening. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it was in another one of those, has so many stories in my short time of knowing the Lord that just instilled that in me to where... I don't only don't believe he's real. I know, I and mean, I know he's watching every. Single, he knows already what we're doing. He's giving you the eyes to see. Yeah. You know, he doesn't. Yeah, I mean that's just one of the best things about God is God doesn't expect you to just have blind faith in him. If you have the faith, I'll open your eyes, mm-hmm. and it won't be blind faith. You'll see, and you'll know that it's me. You know. Sometimes some of the stuff he does seems so natural that we'll miss that it's him, you know. Jesus says, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man can get to the Father but by me. I'm the only gate. Anybody trying to come any other way ain't getting there. They're a thief and a liar. There's only one way you come in. And I was thinking about this today. When... God puts Adam and Eve out of the garden. He puts angels at the gate or at the entrance with mm-hmm. this flaming sword, a lightsaber. Right. It turns this way and that, all right? You know, that's why I thought, well, a lightsaber. But he puts angels at the east end of the the garden. He don't, he don't say anything about puts them at the west and the north and the south. Mm-hmm. Only one way. And it realized, wow, there's only one way into the garden. Jesus, I'm the only way in. And he puts a guard at the one. So that made me go, well, I wonder what's on that, like the north, the south, and the, you know, and the west of that garden. What right. makes it so there's only one entrance into that garden? You know, it tells you about that it has these rivers. Interesting that it tells you the... Uh, the Gion, the Pishon, or Pishon, however they say them. Mm-hmm. And this one goes around this way, and that's where all this gold is, and these stones are precious stones. And this one goes all around the land of Cush. And this one goes, I forget, somewhere here. But then it comes to the Euphrates, and the Euphrates is the only river that it doesn't tell you where it goes around. Mm. So the other three go around these areas. Yeah. 
There's only one that it doesn't say. There's only one gate in, one way in, and Jesus says, I'm the only way in. And the whole thing's about, the whole book's about a picture about him and what he's doing for you and me. So it's like right there, as soon as God put man out of that garden, he said, I'm going to make it so there's only one way in. That's going to be my son. He'll be the only way. But he will be the way. There's the east, and that's the way the light comes from. You know, yeah. So, you know... Uh, he said, you know, he's the only way. The whole book's a picture of him. Uh-huh. Uh, there was something else I was thinking there that went along with that, but now I lost it right there for a second. But uh, God knows from the very moment he creates that earth, he knows what's going to happen next. Uh-huh. He already knows the beginning from the end. You know what I'm saying? Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I am the Amen. I am the so be it. I'm the let it be so. That's me. I am. I like that he says, I am the Alpha Omega. I am the Amen. You know, he goes through a series of I am's right there, which shows you then that he was the I am in the burning bush with Moses. Yeah. And instead of going down the list like Moses, I, I am your provider, I am your healer, I am your savior, I am the beginning, and he just said, look, Mo, I'm going to shorten it up and make it easy for you, I am. You know? And so if you think about when he created that whole thing, he knew what was going to be next. And he had already planned a way. So before it all ever began, he said, I knew. Mm-hmm. I knew, which to me makes me go, well, then I think that that's when what happened between Satan and God in heaven happened prior to creation. He's just cast out. But because he's been cast down, God knows this battle's already happened. So he sets this into motion right here because he's going to take Satan all the way to the end to show you, I'm going to make you as if you never existed. You forgot who I was. And it shows him, I speak universes into existence, and I'll speak them out. Jesus, prior prior to going, I mean, all the way through, at any point in time, he said, don't you guys know that I could call down legions of angels? So it it shows that he, he knew who he was, just like he wants us to know who we are in our relationship with him, so we can forgive ourselves and walk in the freedom that he has for us. But if he has that kind of power there, then at any point in time in it, when he just got fed up, he could have said, okay, you know what, I had enough. I spoke this whole thing. I'll just speak it out. But he doesn't do that because of the amazing grace, because of a phenomenal, unmeasurable, infinite love for you and me. I think God looks at you. He created you and me. He goes, all right, look here, Satan. I'm going to make these things called people. I'm going to make these things called humans. They're going to be made in my image. And they're not going to have the information that you had. They're never going to have walked among the stones of fire. They're never going to see the rainbow that goes around my throne or the river that flows out from under or the lightning that comes from it or hear the, you know. They're never going to be able to have that. They're not going to have it. And you had that and you still chose. You do better you still chose to rebel. These ones aren't going to have that. And I'm going to give them something you'll never get. And that's called mercy and grace.
Because even without that information, they'll still choose to love me. They'll still choose to love me back. And because of that, I'm going to give them something you never got. And one day, I'm going to make you as if you never existed. Because you forgot who I am. I'm going to reveal myself to them over and over and over so that they'll know that I am. 